Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit, Get Fit, the fitness news. We unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always, I'm joined by Tom. Hello there. This week, we are going to take a closer look at how many sets and by how many sets, I mean how many sets you need to build bigger muscles in terms of training to failure. We are going to unpack some new data on this. Before that, though, we're going to do a quick update on who which is the World Health Organization and Artificial Sweeteners. And then we've got some bonus news involving sniffing creatine. Yes, creatine up your nose. Please wait though, before you start doing lines on the squat rack. It's very important that you don't start sniffing lines of creatine until we talk about the data. But then we've got some bonus news on the bonus news because as of now, we've got some new, I don't know what to call it, a new table popularity contest yeah popularity contest men's health of course men's health as we say before it's another week it's another men's health article but this time it's another men's health list and it is called the men's health influencer list so we're going to unpack that list as well and that's what we're going to look at today so all that being said let's get into this week's the fitness news let's go Hello guys, welcome back. Let's start with, what we're going to start with first on, I'll let you decide. The table, or the list, or the creatine on the nose. I'm going to say we probably should go straight into the World Health Organization on its yeah, that's stance. Been requested. On yeah, that has been requested to be yeah. fair, that's quite an important one, yeah. so Let's nip it in the bud. You may have seen rumblings of a, I mean I'll call it a damning report by the World Health Organization, which classes... Um, I can never pronounce this word. Aspartame? How, how do you say it, Tom? I say aspartame as well, but I know some aspartame. people aspartam. Um, aspartame. I, I Basically, like after sweeteners. Yeah, but it's a very specific one, which is yeah. as, as, aspartame or aspartame, as, however you want to fucking aspartame, pronounce it. Aspartame, yeah. Well, basically, the after sweetener you find <laughs> in like most fizzy drinks or whatever, and basically, basically what they've done is they've released a new report saying that it's possibly carcinogenic to humans, which means potential to cause cancer, which is obviously quite scary. When you hear it at first, you might think, fucking hell, they've said that this sweetener can cause cancer. We've mentioned numerous times that, when well, we've mentioned this sweetener numerous times, we've said how it can, you know, it's it's in most stuff you drink, diet drinks, squash. Eat, I don't know about the UK, but I know in America it's in a lot more foods. I don't know if you've seen this, yeah. Tom, but in a lot, even like breads, they've got it in like red pasta. Yeah. Right, which is quite odd. I don't know. I don't live in America, so I don't know. But Covenants over the sea do have a you know a very big sweet tooth. Yeah, so they released this new report. Everyone got excited about it. People have been kicking off. You guys have been sending a few messages in saying, okay, what's the crack with this? Because we've mentioned artificial sweeteners numerous times. Is it as scary as it sounds? So following this new classification, now this bit's really important, which... Spoiler alert, it's not as scary as it sounds, evidence-wise. There's a thing called the Joint FAO slash ALHU Expert Committee on Food Additives, the JECFA, and they presented a comprehensive updated risk assessment on aspartame. Hmm. Okay, so these are kind of the same, they're part of the same organization, essentially. But they kind of follow up on that and go, right, what are the doses? What is the actual, what is the outcome of this new report, whatever, Okay. So this new risk assessment, they basically, how do I put it? They back it. I don't know what the year. Do you know what the year was Tom when they first came out with the acceptable daily intake? Oh God, off the top of my the head, 80s, no. Right? I'm I sure it was like the eighties. 
Yeah, off the top of my head, I my yeah. mind's going blank. I think it was the 80s, but basically... Probably we should have pulled up beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has. I'm sure it was the 80s. I, I don't know why I didn't write it down, but basically they really, they they have like an acceptable daily intake, which is the ADI back in, I think it was the 80s. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that now. I'm going to go firm on the 80s. But essentially what they've done is they've reaffirmed the existing daily intake. It's not really changed. So yeah. even though this new fucking report's come out saying, oh, it's possibly carcinogenic, you know, potential cause of cancer, the acceptable daily intake's not changed. And that is... 0 to 40 milligrams per kilo of body weight a day. So if I give yeah. you like a practical example, something that actually makes sense, if you were an 85 kilo adult, you would need to consume around 17 cans of soft drink per day to reach this level, which is quite a lot. I mean, if you're doing that, yeah. I'd argue you need help with your <laughs> you need help with your um, soft drink consumption. Plus, you've probably got a lot of money. That's quite expensive. I mean, I don't want to say that it's impossible to do. Because no, I have seen those documentaries where, you know, people are like consuming almost like a comedic amount of soft drinks, etc. Um, usually like full sugar versions as well, actually. You know, it's so no, not so much artificial sweeteners. That's probably the last thing. But you, know, you say this, Tom, though, because of the new sugar tax in the UK, a lot of actual drinks which contain sugar also contain aspartame. Yeah, if you don't true. notice this, if I go and buy, I I like was it like Fanta lemon for example. If I go to like Ooh, a, if I stop posh. on a petrol station on the way home from work, that has not only twenty grams of sugar but also aspartame. Yeah, obviously yeah. a lower dose because it does obviously sugar to sweeten it. But in the UK anyway, because of the sugar tax, companies are obviously thinking how can we still keep the same sweetness but avoid the sugar tax. So what they do yeah. is they just use both. Simple. But I mean, another thing is, is like, it's important to consider as well that this isn't just like, oh, in an acute setting. So mm. it's not just, oh, let's just say you have that one absolutely mental day. I don't know, maybe you're doing some kind of food challenge or whatever. I don't know. And you manage to, you know, drink 20 plus beverages containing like artificial sweeteners. You know, I, I don't think in an acute, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but in an acute setting, I don't think you're going to suddenly drop dead. What they're talking about is it's possibly, possibly, carcinogenic meaning risk for cancer if it's like consistent over time so you're yeah. consistently dosing yourself of extreme amounts rather than just like having a one day where you've gone absolutely rogue mm. with it yeah i think people have also jumped the gun of it because if you look at the actual context of how they do this classification it actually means the evidence is weak the evidence isn't actually strong they, they even say that in their context look this classification means the evidence isn't strong in human outcomes yeah, which is true because they know most people are not having 17 cans of soft drink per day over a long term. Yeah. Because for one, that's fucking, why would you, that doesn't make any sense. Two, how expensive would that be? Even if you're buying like, let's say, I don't know, supermarket own brand Diet Coke, that's still going to be expensive if you have 17 a day for fucking yeah, weeks and months and years yeah. on end. So it's not practical. Basically, what we're going to say on this is, to wrap it up, is what, it, what we've said in the past on this is basically the same the poison is in the dose. Yeah. If you have normal doses, let's say you have a couple of cans of Coke a day, Diet Coke a day, whatever, you'll be absolutely fine. If you're having fucking 17 plus, maybe there's something to worry about, but I highly doubt that anyone listening to this is having that much. I mean, the thing is as well, like, I mean, why the agencies that kind of like, in regards to this report, uh, so the IARC, which stands for the International Agency for Research on Cancer, hmm. I mean, they listed... They listed this in regards to like being in group 2B. And group 2B is basically, it's possibly carcinogenic. And they basically put in a group with, in the same group, there's aloe vera. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. I was literally going to say that. If you look at the, if you actually look at the categories that was in there, yeah. it's actually quite 
alarming. And we're happy to slap that. ourselves with aloe vera. Do you know what I mean? When we're some well, aloe vera is considered a health food now. You can actually drink it. Yeah. You can drink like aloe vera drinks, like Asian fucking drinks, which are like supposed to be health promoting. And- yeah. And there's uh, other supplements as well. So we look at things like, um, oh, I can never pronounce it, ginkgo, bell, rocky bell, bell, ginkgo, bell, 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 I can't <laughs> pronounce it. Uh, one second. Gink, what? Ginkgo biloba. I can't pronounce it. Ginkgo biloba. Yeah, it's something I've spoken about a long time, a long time ago on uh, the podcast. But like, once again, these are like things that you could just buy from the oh, shop. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Ginkgo, not even think plant. twice about it. Yeah, okay. But you know, at the end of the day, like these are in the exact same group that they've labelled aspartame in. Yeah, possibly carcinogenic. Yeah. Yeah. So are you also going to start worrying about aloe vera? Possibly basically means you have enough of it, you might get... But that's the same with most things. Yeah. Possibly is basically another way of saying who knows. Yeah, yeah, possibly is such a fucking silly term because it literally means, well, you could have loads of this thing and it might give you cancer. Okay, great. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things out there. If you have enough of it, it might give you cancer or it might kill you. That's just the way poison is in the dose. I mean, going way back in time to our earlier episodes, we've actually spoken about artificial sweeteners in particular where, you know, there's... It's, we have quite a bit of overwhelming evidence that for now kind of suggests that you know in reasonable amounts it's actually pretty safe so there you go guys that is it on the new who guidelines for those of you asked about it appreciate you getting in touch of course we're always going to respond to you guys if you send in messages asking about certain topics but we'll try yeah. and answer it or address it and in this case we've addressed it nothing to really worry about in normal doses so that being said, we're going to move on to the other bit of bonus news, which was a surprise bit of bonus news, and that is men's health. So this week, men's health released a series of lists which kind of gave their their professional uh, <laughs> thoughts on what are the best people in certain areas. They had like um, influencers, they had nutrition, they had mental health, they had loads of different categories. But what we're going to focus on is the men's health influencer list, and this is strength and fitness. Okay. God help us. If you if you've listened to us before, you know when it comes to men's health, nine times out of ten they talk absolute bollocks. I mean, occasionally yeah. they release a good article, but most of the times it's a load of waffle. So they yeah. release this new influencer list, and fuck me, this list is just carnage. Um, I must admit, I'm not really familiar with two of them out of the five uh, five, but I do know um, three of them. So we'll go through the list and we'll break it down a little bit. We won't go too much into it because we don't want to spend too much time. But yeah. the strength and fitness. Uh, influencer list we'll start at the bottom at number five it's the one and only aaron horshig is that how do you pronounce his name anyway aaron horshig yeah from squat, yeah, aaron university. Horshig. squat university as most people know him by he came at number five for influencer list and bear in mind the criteria for this list was like communication evidence-based all these buzz i was thinking Are you having a fucking laugh here like it's ridiculous anyway before i go on a tangent he's at number five squat you Number four is Jason and Lauren Pack from at Jason Lauren Pack. I'm not really familiar. Admittedly, I've those? never heard of them before in my life. I've never heard of them, so I so can't, I can't really comment. Really comment. Yeah, yeah. I can't comment. Number three is Brad Schoenfeld, which is someone we talk about very often. As uh, yeah, we we, we like it. Um, yeah, we actually really like Brad. Uh, we we spoke about this but off air a little bit. How he made a comment on this saying he prefers to be referred to as an educator as opposed to an influencer. I like that. Show some integrity. Yeah, and I feel like me and Tom were we discussing how, look, we actually respect him. And the fact he's on this list with some of these other characters we're going to come on to is kind of a bit, I think it's a bit insulting, yeah. in my opinion. 
I actually think it's quite insulting because if I if, if for the say evidence, Tom, not for the popularity. Let's say let's say Tom, you were fucking really famous for your you know science communication. If you were put on this list, you'd feel pretty pissed off, wouldn't you? Because you'd be like, hang on. I am very much in the space for evidence based, but I'm on the same list as Squat You and someone else as McConnell. I would I would hate to be associated with people like Squat You, you know, Athlenex, like that's my personal thoughts on it. You know, if I was just, if I was associated with those kind of people straight away I'd think, Oh fuck, I'm doing something wrong here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, fair I mean, fair play to Brad for like coming out and saying that and basically saying, you know, I'm yeah, I'm basically here to be an evidence-based communicator. I'm not here yeah. for popularity. And ironically, I think that's actually why he's popular. It's interesting how he's on the list, but the other guys are. Don't get, there are some other names on here who are kind of like pretty yeah. evidence-based. You're about the other lists as well? You're on about the other lists? Uh, at the moment, I'm just looking at just top social media influencers. Yeah. I haven't gone into little micro ones. Right, okay. But there's other ones on here in regards to nutrition as well, like um, I hope I can pronounce his name right, Zach Cohen. You know, he's pretty good. Mm. Lane Norton. Mm, he's 50-50 yeah, at the moment. 50-50. Yeah. 50-50, bit of an emotional baby. But other than that, you know, he he mm. does back up his claims. Anyway, let's finish his list, Tom. Let's finish his strength. Yeah, list. sorry. Let's so go for it. Number three, we had Brad Schoenfeld. Number two, we had Hella Sidibe or Sidibe. Sidibe. This is just going to be you bastardizing all these names. Yeah, apologies. Apologies, Hella. Anyway, him, I've never heard of him, so I can't comment on that guy. He's number two. Um, and then number one is the one and only Jeff Cavalier of Athlene X, which is something we have spoke about Cringe. before on the podcast. <sighs> I mean, if you heard us before, you know we're not huge fans of his communication when it comes to any sort of training, mm. really. Um, I mean, in regards to influencing, oh, he's fantastic at influencing. You know, yeah, he's the king of clickbait. Sure. Well, maybe, you know, maybe men's health are actually honest. Maybe they are actually they're not they're not they don't care about your actual information. They just care about how much you can influence people. Yeah, when it's well, what is the definition of an influencer? Your ability to influence people, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think like um, evidence base really fits into that. Even though no. I do know there are some, ironically, influencers that do try to latch onto that kind of tagline, yeah, that buzzword, so, so to speak. Men's health is pretty much just like a monthly meme. It's a monthly fitness meme magazine at this point. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I remember back in the day, like, I mean, when I was younger, obviously, I used to actually like men's health. I used to think it was like the source of all fucking information. Well, it's got a very um, authoritative name, hasn't it? Men's health. You know, it does sound authoritative. It sounds like it's almost like a Bible for fitness, doesn't it? Mm. But the more you kind of, the more you know, and the more you dive down the actual articles and what they're claiming and the authors behind them the more you start to realize yeah this is a bit cringy really um so yeah guys that was a little quick bonus update on the new men's health thing so if you have seen them and you think that's amazing maybe if, maybe have if you haven't seen it don't worry about it do something more productive <laughs> yeah, with your time just ignore it yeah we've probably made this worse by mentioning we probably shouldn't have even mentioned it we've actually just given more exposure to it to be fair <laughs> yeah but that's clickbait for you Bonus news aside, we're going to... Actually, we still don't, I don't even know if we're on bonus news at the moment. I don't, where are we? Right, okay. <laughs> so we had Long two, day, is it? <clears throat> we've had two pieces of bonus news, and now we're going into a quick update before we get onto the actual news, which was like... Well, this is all news. Let's fuck it. Right, anyway. So we're going to go on to... Su we're going to go on to the quick update. Not the quick update. We're going to go on to the bonus news, which is the... I don't even know. Right. Rewind, because... Rewind. <laughs> absolutely, Rewind. We're going off the... Right. We're going to talk about now creatine which we spoke about numerous times 
if you're a, a you know a regular on the show. But this time it's a little bit different. I like how you just like naturally touched your nose then. I know, I noticed that. I had a little and now I feel like well. I need to do it. Hmm, yeah, just a quick bump. I've actually got some creatine. Shall I just do a line live on the podcast? Do you know what? I've just got some creatine and I've actually got Go my utensils for injecting. There you go. Do a line. Do a line of creatine got now. A ruler. Go. Do I've a got line. my scraper. Tom, give, in to, give in to peer pressure. Do a line of creatine. I'm not going to do that because I'm not a mouse or rat. Anyway, as you might have alluded to, we're going to be talking about sniffing creatine. And by that, I mean intranasal creatine administration increases brain creatine level and improves barns maze performance in rats god help us let's break this down guys we've spoken about creatine lots you know lots and lots about its benefits and you know blah 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 but now we've got some new data which makes things very very exciting rats so rats obviously is rodents which we know is not a strong form of evidence but it's quite funny so we're going to talk about it anyway rats rats were administered creatine intranasally so up their nose or orally so in the mouth and compared right Mm. intranasal creatine administration increased creatine levels in the brain so when they sniffed it it increased the levels of creatine in the brain as opposed to when they took it orally believe which it most people which is how most people take it before we quickly discuss this let's talk about the barnes maze test you might be thinking what the fuck is the barnes maze test well buckling so i'm going to read you out a fucking fat extract which is probably going to trip me up anyway okay brace brace yourself guys let's go the <laughs> The barn's maze consists of a circular table with holes around the circumference placed in a room with visual crews and periphery. Most of these holes lead to an open drop to the floor, but a single hole leads to a drop box, a dark box in which the animal can hide. A rodent is naturally motivated to avoid open spaces and bright lights and therefore attempts to find the drop box. Oh, very exciting. In initial trials, the scientist gently leads the animal to the drop box. In subsequent trials, the animal is placed in the centre of the table and must find the drop box on its own. Mm. After a few trials, rodents typically remember which hole contains the drop box and quickly proceed in a direct path towards the hole. Investigators can measure the amount of time to find the correct hole, the number of incorrect holes explored, and the length of the exploratory path. So basically, they'll be taught how to find this hole. Yeah. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> they'll be taught how to find the hole, and once they find the hole, they should be able to do it themselves, and they can obviously measure how long it takes them depending on different contexts. So in this case, they then gave them creating out the nose or in their mouth, and they, just <laughs> they worked out which one was better, you know, better suited to find the hole. Uh- I mean, everything about that just sounded like ultra, ultra perverted. It did a bit, yeah. a lot of talk about, you know, orally and in the holes. But anyway, I I digress. Do you know what, though? I did actually watch a couple of videos on YouTube of the Barnes Maze. And uh, some of it was actually quite wacky. It's quite good. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, um, imagine like a clock face, right? But instead of numbers, each number is a hole. So that's how it kind of looks. So on the outer oh, okay, edge of the yeah, circle, there's yeah. loads of holes. Yeah. and So where there's a circular table on it, yeah. Yeah, and in one of those holes is an actual, yeah, a box underneath. The rest, there's nothing underneath. So the mouse gets plopped in the middle. It goes and checks out all these holes and sees, oh, that's a big drop down now. I'm not going to go in there. Or it might just be like blank. So it's like a little shallow dip instead of an actual hole. And then finally, there is an actual hole where there's like a little drop box and the mouse goes to hide. One of the videos I watched, it was like Squid Games for mice. Mm. There was a, actually a little elevator in the middle 
and that the mouse came up on the elevator. It was like so extra. I mean, other videos, they literally just, literally just picked up the rat or mouse, whatever that it was, and they weird. pull it. Yeah. yeah, and they just pull it straight in the middle, and that was it. But this one video I watched, it was almost like they went, okay, let's actually spend our funding making an elevator for mice here. You know, let's make it like a game show, or like stars in their eyes. You know, the mouse just slowly rises up on the platform mm. into the middle of the of, of, the, of the maze. Um, but yeah, I was watching the mice do it, and it was kind of like, yeah, a bit of back and forth flight, going back, checking one hole checking another and then finally oh yep here we go here's the um here's the hiding spot i wonder what happened if you try that of humans <laughs> <laughs> well do you know what we talk about like oh this study shows benefits or negative right. effects in the context of xyz right just remember that for when i kind of summarize things at the end but yeah, basically there was basic uh, those different groups as you said. One where there was like a control group, so there was nothing. There was another where the kratom was given orally or ingested. And it was at like, different dosages as well. And yeah, they did find that, funny enough, the ones that were so both groups that had creatine did seem. So I'll just go right rewind it back a little bit here. Sorry, but in regards to like this study, just trying to find it. Basically, what they was looking for is how long the mice spent in the target area. Hmm. So in the rough general area of where the actual drop box hole was. So basically did the mice by the end of it start ending up in the kind of like the right spot, not directly in the hole maybe, but was it in the general right area? Like, cause it remembered it. It remembered it from the previous tries. So this time is the mouse like remembering better after this creatine has been ingested, whether it be through the mouth or nose or whatever. And they did find that, in particular, the, the the mice that were kind of like fed, so in the mice, rats, is it mice or is it rats? Let me just rats. figure this out it's now right. because rats, I'm, I'm sure going to keep on uh, stressing myself out here. Yeah, okay, so this it was rats. rats. Yeah. So no, it is, there is a difference. But I did find the rats that ingested it nasally spent more time in the actual area of where the drop box, was, sorry, where the box was hidden on the maze. So uh, that's where they're basically getting this from. So you could kind of say that what they were basically measuring was like, does creatine kind of help cognitive performance in regards to memory? The mouse was able to we, remember we, better we have what actually area spoken it was. About, we have actually spoken about creatine before in terms of mental ability and like cognitive improvements. Yeah, but how to how, measure that? Well, we spoke about how, in especially in elderly populations, creatine is actually, you could actually recommend taking it, even though people always associate it with, okay, if you go to the gym, you should take it. But even if you're like an elderly person who doesn't necessarily yeah. train, taking creatine daily could actually help you with cognitive improvements. And this is kind of like something which is on that same yeah. vein of, look, can we improve cognitively by taking creatine? Mate, obviously, this is up the nose, which is obviously a little bit different. I mean, there has been talks, and they do mention it in this study, that they like, they have started to look into the effects of creatine in regards to kind of like mitigating like um, mm. things like Alzheimer's, etc., and other kind of cognitive diseases. So like this isn't exactly something brand new, but it is something they're starting to look more into. Mm. But I have noticed in the past week since we decided, oh, we're going to talk about this study, like every gym-based meme page seems to be posting this study. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Stiff and creatine. Uh, yeah, I do think that, you know, you'll probably see like a couple of viral videos of people doing it. But in all serious, like well, one one of our biggest criticisms in regards to these kind of studies is that it's in rats or mice. Mm. Therefore, we don't know if it's going to cross over directly to humans. 
That's yeah, the so key, human testing yeah. would probably be better. Mm. You say human testing, did you? Well, yeah. It's funny you say that, Tom, because we're going to go into some polls now that we did. I say a poll, we did one poll. I thought it'd be quite funny. So basically, I asked our Instagram followers, have you ever taken creatine up your nose? Tom, what do you reckon the results were? Okay, I want to say 100% said no. No. Oh, go on. One person said yes. One person. Is it someone that. Hang on, hang on. I think more than one person, because I think someone. Let me me talk. So when you say about testing. Um, okay, yeah, here we go. Now, this is kind of half and half. So, someone got in Fucking touch really funny. This, this, this is really funny. They said, Does it count if pre workout dry scooping if it has come up my nose? <laughs> so, they've taken they've dry scooped pre workout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's probably uh, the know. other way around, but they said they thought their nose was going to fall off. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's quite a funny one. I do think, like, in a Gym based slash fitness setting, most of us take creatine just to kind of increase our actual physical performance, you know, in regards to strength or power output or whatever else. But in the context of this study, mm. maybe it's one of those things where I don't know if you're on a day trip somewhere and you've got a bad memory or you're driving back from somewhere that you're unfamiliar with, maybe nasally ingesting some creatine might jog your memory and help you get back home. Mm. You said about human testing though, Tom. Big Mike, you know Mike from across the bond? I do. He said, do you want me to try? I'll try anything once, I say. So, Mike, this is not me saying do it, but I'm just saying you've offered. From an ethical point of view, we can't force we you can't, to do it. No, we can't. But if you if you want to, and then maybe send we us a We can't encourage video. you to do it for science. Yeah, I mean. We can't encourage you to do the right thing for science. <laughs> Mike, sniff creatine. It's something we would say if we was, you know ethically bankrupt which we're not so we're not mm. saying sniff creatine for science at the dosages no. recommended no, in the study definitely not, definitely for humans not. how much how much is it in the study how much do they actually sniff oh jesus let me go back to how it. much do these rats actually sniff let's get eyes well, on. there was different there was different ones um <laughs> in fact on the graph there's one there's one rat that went a little bit overboard this was like the tony montana of rats um you look on the graph and you can see this is and it was nasally as well it was nasally, so it's just this one rat that was literally off the charts. Um, just smashing fucking grams of fucking creatine. Oh, God, where is it? Am I even looking at the right thing? Yeah, I am. Oh, Can wow, you see yeah, that, 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 the that, that one yeah, that little rat dot there that went a little bit too extra? Yeah, yeah. the rats have the rats gone fucking rogue just sniffing shit. So as you can, as you, oh, hang on, where's my pointer? I ain't got a pointer. I'll make one. <laughs> Sorry for your audio only. Patrons, obviously, you can it's see all the video. Only, this, but, but as you can see here, we will call this rat pointer. Montana rat. Yeah, went rogue. Montana rat went a little bit rogue with the testing. Charlie Sheen of rats, eh? Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, that'd be a bit, we thought that'd be a bit of fun, so there you go. Should you sniff creatine? Not at this moment in time. Keep taking it as you normally take it. Very good, very good to take. Really good supplement. Loads of evidence. We've spoken about it numerous times. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really it. That's really it. So... Let's move on to the actual piece of news <laughs> that we were meant to talk about from the very beginning, 40 minutes later, or whatever time it is. How many sets? So, Tom, you sent me over a study which kind of looked at how many sets should we really do when we talk mm. about training to failure, you know, hypertrophy, building muscle, etc., etc. So, Tom, talk me through it. Talk yeah. me through the findings of this study. I mean, 
So it wasn't so much in regards to like uh, how many sets we kind of need to be doing to kind of optimize our muscle growth, etc. But it kind of shows that you use, that there's tools in the toolbox to get similar effects depending on what your yep. goals are. So basically, this um, new study that's come out is called the effects of a single or multi-step drop set training compared to traditional resistance training on muscle performance and body composition. And that's by, I can't pronounce his name, Fezzi Hyan 2023. Apologies for that. And what they basically did was they had three groups. And these three groups were trained the leg press and the bench press three days per week for eight weeks. So, you know, decent little bit of time there. So basically two months and three days a week, which is when we consider resistance training... It's a pretty decent frequency, isn't it? And uh, yeah, they had them in three groups. So bear in mind, yeah, they were both doing leg press and bench press. The first group did like a standard four times 10. So four sets, 10 repetitions at 75% of their one rep max, 90 seconds rest in between each set. So that's pretty standard, isn't it? You know, that's, that's just our standard sets. The reps are here, here. This is how many reps we expect you to do for this kind of weight, depending on what your one rep max is. Um, they had the second group, which was a single step drop set. And this is where they actually just did two sets. And this is where the drop sets come into it. So what they did was they did one set at 80% of their one rep maxed exhaustion. Right. So they did as many reps as they could with that weight loaded on there with a 90 second rest. And then they dropped the weight down to 45% of their one rep max and continued to complete repetitions until they went to complete failure. Mm. So both of those sets, yeah, they start off nice and heavy, complete as many reps as possible, and then 90-second rest, quick changeover of weight, and then straight back into another set of failure, but this time at 45%, so a little bit lower than what they first did. So two sets, basically, to exhaustion with different loads. So it wasn't the same load. It was different loads between each set. Um, that isn't how I would traditionally describe a drop set. No. Group three, which I'm about to explain now, is how I would usually describe a traditional drop set. And that is where, very similar to the last kind of set, they loaded up to 80% of the one rep max, and they continued to do reps until complete exhaustion. They then quickly changed the weight over, so they dropped it by 15%, did another bunch of reps until exhaustion, and then they dropped the weight again by another 15%, went to exhaustion, and so forth until they'd basically completed four sets in total to complete yeah. exhaustion at different loads. So 80% of their one rep max, 65% of their one rep max, 50% of their one rep max, and then 35% of their one rep max. With that, there was no rest whatsoever between sets. And the findings in this are, before I continue, these individuals were considered to be trained. The way they clarified trained was they basically had more than six. They didn't have less than six months of training. It was more than six months of consistent training, basically. So if you want to consider that trained, that's up to you. Technically, I, I would. I'd, I'd class it as trained, just maybe not super veteran experienced. But what they found through that, bear with me once I get my graph for that. So one of the first things they measured was body fat percentage and muscle mass. And what they kind of found was that in regards to body fat percentage, there wasn't like a dramatic change which to be fair i wouldn't expect anyone unless there was some kind of like nutritional yeah. you know uh, yeah nutrition is the important thing there isn't it yeah they did find though that all three of those helped in contributing in regards to muscle growth so what we kind of learned from that is you know you can actually 
build muscle just by utilising drop sets. You haven't got to do the standard four sets of this or five sets of this. As long as you're kind of getting close towards failure to an extent, you know, we're going to build muscle. Mm. At the same time, they also measured things like um, their endurance and their overall strength gains after those eight weeks. And this is where things get a little bit more different. Um, so what they found was in regards to bench press, there was no major change in like the run rep max. You know, no significant difference, at least. What they did find was that there was a fair amount of difference in regards to their endurance mm. for both the bench press and the leg press in regards to the drop sets. You know, still made improvements on the standard four sets of 10, but the drop sets, both drop sets, so the one where it was just two sets, the one where it was four, all at different loads, etc., with rest and not with rest, they made a bit more significant progress in regards to endurance, so how many more reps they could kind of mm. press out of that, which kind of makes sense because the whole point of drop sets is that you're just continuously going, aren't you? In regards to actual leg press strength, so testing their one rep max, etc., um, yeah, once again, everyone increased it. So basically, in my opinion, like the main findings of this kind of paper is that you can utilize drop sets if you're like short on time, if you just want a bit more variability to your training. You don't have to st stick to the the standard oh four sets of five, four sets yeah. of eight, four sets of ten, etc. You know, you can utilize things like drop sets. What I like as well is that it kind of shows that you know going more towards actual failure as well in regards to kind of muscle growth, etc. Well, we, we know this is the most yeah. preferred method, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not that you have to go to absolute failure, but moving more towards that side does seem to be a bit more mm. beneficial. But obviously Absolutely. you don't get that fatigued stimulus rating, which you've got to worry about as well, especially if you've mm. got other things going on in your life other than I just want to go to the gym. Yeah. But I do like that it kind of shows that, yeah, there's no one standard way to get stronger. Build we endurance, build muscle. We talk about yeah, it all the exactly. time is like, What's your preferred method? Go for your preferred method. That's what's going to be the key. What you can, what you prefer, and what you can consistently hit is what's going to make the big difference in your muscle building uh, progress, as opposed to just fucking trying to hit these four yeah, sets of twelve. Exactly. You know, in particular, what I liked about group three as well is that. So yeah, that's the one that where they did like four drop sets. Is that even by the end where they was only lifting thirty five percent of their one rep max, even though to them usually that would be super light. You know, I mean, look, put it this way. If you could leg press 100 kilos for one rep and that was your one rep max on the leg press, eventually if you get to enough exhaustion that you're only lifting 35% of that, you know, 100 kg, which is basically going from 100 kilos to 35 kilos mm. on the leg press, as long as you're taking it to exhaustion, you know, you're going to build muscle, you know. Yeah. You're going to build endurance, etc. So it's quite cool to know that you have options. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is not anything realistically new. It's just more evidence to kind of show Back us that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Cool. Okay, guys, that is all the news this week. It's basically been filled with bonus news and updates, really. <laughs> the bulk of the episode has been absolute chaos. But I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. Um, of course, we've got to say thank you to Jenny and Colleen, superstars, the producers of the show. Tom, you want to say anything to them? Want to say anything? Anything at all? Um, I mean, if in regards to science, you want to help us out with this, you know, oh, nasal yeah. creatine thing. Yeah, sniff, sniff it. You know, as our producers, we would like it very much if you helped us in a more direct way by contributing to science. 
It sounds like we're kind of going back to our previous episode where we talked about enhanced sports, where we're saying, you know, not us, sorry, but where the company was saying, oh, you're against science if you don't do drugs. Well, we're now saying you're anti-science if you're not taking creatine nasally. Yeah, if you don't sniff some creatine, you're against science. Yeah, you're saying we're not, we're is, not... you know, you're less patriotic than a rat. Um, of course, thank you to the rest of the Patreons as well. Very much appreciated. We're going to echo what we said last week. If you really want to help the growth of the podcast or you love what we're doing a week in, week out, we'd really, really appreciate it if you could go over to your app, whether that's you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it's on, and give us a review, a rating and a review. If you can only rate, because I know some apps you can only like leave a rating, that's fine. But if you can leave a review, it's really appreciated if you can just put a couple of words in, even if it's just saying you two are fucking idiots, that's absolutely fine. It's, it's still something it's words in a box which will make a difference so i really appreciate it if you can leave a review and rate the podcast i think that's all i've got to say really tell me anything you want to say before we wrap up this week just thought of a really good way we could test this on humans oh no gone and that is where we get into it's remember that card game where you, you used to do as a kid where you lay all the cards face down you've got to try and collect the doubles and remember where they are They're, where they are yeah like, like a mem- it's like a memory game it's like snap, but all the cards are face down and you pick it up and s- try and remember and you get pairs. Is it Go Fish? No, not I go think it's fish. Go Fish, isn't it? I'm sure it's Go Fish. Concentration. Concentration is a round game. All the cards are laid face down on a surface and two cards are flipped face up over each time. The object of the game is to turn over pairs of matching cards. There you go. Oh, okay, there you go. That's it. And we're getting to do that. But then we can also combine this in other weird and wonderful ways. I've definitely been here before. But you know like when you're trying to walk back home from the pub pissed? Mm. and you just can't find your way back home. Can't find your way home, yeah. I wonder if creatine can mitigate the effects of getting lost on the way home. It's ethical, though, to get people to go to a pub and smash loads of beers and then do a line of creatine. (laughs) For science, yes. Yeah, for science. As long as you you put for science on the end of a subject, you can get away with anything. I am going to, uh, you know, blow up these ULES cameras. I am going to nuke Japan twice in the name of science. (laughs) And that's actually a that's an actual quote from Oppenheimer, by the way. Probably, no spoilers. Spoiler alert! I don't want to spoil the film if you've not seen it, but some pretty bad stuff happens to Japan. In yeah, film. yeah, some pretty bad stuff happens to Japan. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler warning. And on that bombshell. <laughs> uh, hey. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> It's been a pleasure as always, and <laughs> we will see you next week, same time, same place, for some more The Fitness News. See you soon. See you soon.